Hello and welcome back to this special podcast series we are doing from the Financial Planning Association Conference uh, here in Sydney, uh, brought to you by XY and the FPA. Uh, Danny, thanks for joining me again. I'm still here, Fraser. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> believe it or not, I haven't gone anywhere. Even it. though lunch is, is served, I'm still hitting, sitting here just looking at it because we have a very interesting guest and I'm just... Nicolette, we'll get you to introduce yourself because uh, what you've done and what you're looking at doing and, and your session, it's so unique that I can't put a summary around it, so we'll get you to explain that, but you, climate and finance professional. So, Hi, Danny. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about yourself, sure, Nicolette? That sure. would be great so that we can all get a better understanding of how these two things meet. Okay. Um, it's actually, yeah, it's not an easy answer. Mm. I have been, I suppose, um, involved in clean energy and climate policy for uh, many decades. I have retreated a little bit in the last decade and, and found myself in finance. So most recently I've spent around, uh, or probably seven years as an executive at the Responsible Investment Association in Australasia, who is exhibiting here today as Pop well. Down to see them. <laughs> um, and my role has been research policy, but one particular interest is um, of mine in my job there was running the certification program. So that's the kicking the tyres and lifting the bonnet of anybody out there who's trading with any kind of product that makes a sustainability claim. Can I ask you a quick question? Did you start that up? Was that with that certification or was that something that was existing when you started there? It was existing. Um, it's been around now for probably around 14 or 15 years. But when I came on board to help out, it, it was going through its very first governance review. Um, and you, I don't have to tell you, but it is a rapidly, rapidly evolving space. And so the governance structure had to be really nimble and, and adaptive to all sorts of new products coming on the market uh, and people wanting to add these interesting things onto their APLs and we needed to put an assurance level over the top of that. Yep, and we've uh, we've we've done a lot of series on XY the podcast before. We're mm. we going in this uh, in and around this subject. The um, infrastructure as well that an advisor needs to put in their business to make sure that there's credibility in what they tell to their clients. So huge, huge subject. We could be on that for absolutely. twenty to thirty minutes. Absolutely, <laughs> as we better, we better not. Uh, so, so tell us about. So you've done that. Um, uh, tell us about what led you into today's yeah. session. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, my whole career has really just been about redefining what good is. And um, that's, you know, the certification program was, was part of that. Um, I have most recently um, run as a community independent in the electorate of Bradfield, Sydney's Upper North Shore. Um, people say, oh, you're a failed teal. I say, actually, it's a stunningly quite impressive um, success in a short runway. Um, achieved the, the, the largest primary swing against a sitting member anywhere in the country. And um, the once was quite safe conservative seat is is marginal, and um, so what um, Dave Ray, my financial planner, who I'm talking with today um, in conversation, and I will be discussing is really having a look at the extent to which understanding how people voted in the federal election in May this year might give planners an insight as to how some of those people who live in those areas of Sydney and Brisbane and Melbourne may want to also change the way that they invest their money, not just their vote. 
Yeah, it's an interesting. We don't often get into the concept of politics on the XY Advisor podcast, <laughs> but we're kind of touching we're, on we're it going today down because, there. <laughs> because it's absolutely relevant to the conversation around uh, that, that you're presenting on today. Um, I'm, I'm a bit oblivious to um, a lot of the politics side, which I'm quite happy to say. Um, but t- t- tell us about. So, so did you pitch this idea to the, the to the conference, or was this something that was? How, how did this conversation come up? Um, I, I'm. I'm not really sure. It could have been Dave Ray, my planner. Um, I think there is just—it's just a different place now. We had uh, some six, seven different electorates that went independent. Um, some of them also went um, from sort of blue to red. Uh, politics aside, this was all about issues this time. This was about largely integrity uh, and improving public trust between the people and the parliament. Really heavily about climate action. And then there were other issues that had prevalence in different seats, such as um, the treatment of women, um, refugees, and, and other things. But by and large, I mean, there is, there's something that we talk about now in, in the, the Sydney area is that you can no longer take a Sydney Harbour ferry to a Liberal seat. It's completely changed. And so, and I don't think that the people so much have changed, the party's a little bit changed, but um, what we really saw um, is that the people who voted differently this time are in areas where there are uh, highly educated, professional women who work overrepresent compared to the Australian average in finance, insurance, science and professional services. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they have financial means. And so they said, that's enough. Um, we really, really want to see action on climate change. And I can actually add some credibility uh, to that because it is very rare and, and this is, you know, lots of my own personal opinions. So if you don't agree with them, that's fine. Just we send me the note. We opinions. Let's go. <laughs> the, I think there is a, um, a lot of people are a bit disenfranchised because climate change, big issue, how much impact do you think you're having? But I live in Bondi. I was one of those people who uh, who just wanted to make a statement. And I have always um, been, you know, interested enough to my level of knowledge and who I'm voting for. And I just was like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to make a statement. So it's a very, um, it's a very true fact that uh, people said, well, how else do I have a voice? How else do I, you know, is... And, and I hope this is taking the right way, but taking a keep cup and getting my coffee isn't really making the change that... I, I want to see. So, how else do you do that? It was so it was so interesting that everyone's little independent independent sort of um, statement was so widely done. So, I think it does have a huge influence. So that's why I was very interested in this conversation yeah. because it's it was very real for me, and I'm sure many of the conversations that I had with with people after the election, it was very real for many people. Who were kind of sick of not a lot happening. So, yeah, Danny, that's really interesting. I have spent my whole career looking at different ways um, that businesses, um, government and consumers can be part of the climate solution. And hands down, the most effective way, yes, you're right, is not the keep cut, but every single thing counts, right? Um, it's also not necessarily buying electric vehicle or even taking public transport. Even though they, are fan- they are fantastic options that they're available to you. What is the most impactful is how you put your money to work. And so many people expect that their money is not doing harm when they hand that over to a planner who then invests or advises to whom they should um, entrust their money in funds. And and the Responsible Investment Association has done longitudinal consumer research, which shows that apart from just not doing harm, 
a large majority of people now expect that their, their money is being invested to do good. And, um, and there's different definitions around what good mm. is, yeah? So, um, yeah, my big challenge to um, the conference um, later today is going to be understanding how people change their vote is probably, you know, the canary in the mine. I know that's not the most, or the, 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 you know, the red-bellied parrot on the blade of the <laughs> wind farm. <laughs> right. There's a hint okay. of what's coming, coming right. in, in mainstream. Yeah, exactly. That... Um, not people in these places already choose where they put their kids into schools, yeah? We, we, we make decisions every day about our values through the decisions we make when we consume eggs and schooling for our children. Our, how and where we put our money is just another thing, another way that people are starting to really take action. And so that's all it is. It's, mm. it, it is a real risk if you're not involved and you don't, you don't understand how to have a conversation with your clients about these issues. And there's only an uptick to um, improve your skills and and maybe hopefully your your improved product lists as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the word values. There, it certainly is the conversation, isn't it? It's, it's about going one. What we're talking about in the in what you're talking about in the session is the fact that a lot of the clients and the databases of the the, the planners in the room will be in those seats. Uh, or in and around those seats, and they've definitely made a stand around what their values are towards um, towards their lifestyle, I guess. Uh, and when we talked about, I've seen some of the publications that you produced around how that money, that investment money, influences companies, whether it be you know directly because they're not investing in them, or whether it be they have seats on the on the boards of those companies, and, and what sort of a change that makes. But it starts with the decision between the consumer and the financial planner about how it's being invested. That's exactly right. And often, you know, the consumer or the, the investor themselves doesn't know how to have those conversations. Mm. So the onus of responsibility is increasingly on the planner. And I think it's just good business to, when you really want to seek out to understand the goals of your client, uh, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, it's not just about retiring at a certain age with a certain um, level of, of material wealth in, in certain different types of asset classes, but also, yeah. Do they want to? What? Where do they fit on this spectrum of avoiding harm to doing good to making real, genuine, deep impact? Yeah, and I think the conversations on anything ESG are quite prolific in XY. So we have a community where advisors share and learn from one another, and they do that sort of digitally. And so there's lots of conversations on questions and queries, and it's apparent that you know the, there's a everyone sort of perhaps not everyone but there's a there's a trend for people to want to step into this space but perhaps there's a hurdle of infrastructure of knowledge gap of if I enter into this arena there are so many avenues and as someone who is the trusted professional and providing advice what would your what would your uh, suggestion to be to people that you've maybe seen them take this new journey of conversation how would they start so it's not overwhelming and they don't feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get into this situation where I open a Pandora's box and I don't know yeah. how to manage that and really come across as someone who's credible and knows their stuff? It's a really good question that I think a lot of planners ask and it's a reason that some planners or many planners don't take that step. And it, and I have to be completely honest, it's really messy. Yeah. Mm. So um, you need a big 
courage injection, <laughs> but it's doing things like people are doing today by coming to this Congress. It's about mucking in and listening to peers, people that have gone first, hearing their war stories of things that they ought not to do next time. And it, it's about building, it's, it's not jumping into becoming a ethical investor or advisor. It's, this is about who you are and what your mojo is. And it's about adapting it and branching it out just gently changing the conversation. I'm really looking forward to listening to Dave Ray because he's done this. He's been a mainstream investor, uh, sorry, financial planner, Mm -hmm. who had what I call the Johnny-come-lately, you know, (laughs) his eyes opened and went, oh, what's all this ethical stuff? And so he's going to have some um, hope, some good tips about um, how he did it. But um, it's gentle. And and I think uh, personally, I think it's okay to start with a fact find that's just a handful of questions that helps somebody, just as you have a, a question around the spectrum of risk, you ask a question about your spectrum of interest of avoiding harm through to doing good to making a really good impact. And even if that is all you ask the first time, you can start to build out questions and go deeper. Yeah, I think uh, there's obviously a great community within the within the XY community, within the, the, the Financial Planning Association communities, where people have that genuine interest in helping other planners do do these things and helping other advisors. So I think, uh, you know, there's obviously a, a few superstars. We, we, we sort of that stand out in the space, David being one of them. Um, but just to be able to reach out to those people and, and ask them how they how they got started, I think it's a good start. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. We wish you all the best for your presentation. I feel like we got the sneak, the sneak preview um, uh, because it was before the presentation that we recorded this. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing your gems. Absolute welcome. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you. Thanks, Danny.